Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining our virtual support group. For details, visit us at recovering2.com. We know what you're going through and we're here to help. We're Recovering Too. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. I am Elise. I'm here with Liz and Alex. Uh, today is our first episode. Yay! Yay we are here, and we are here to talk about all things recovery, drugs. It's going to be a check-in. So since it's our first episode, we're going to give a little bit about us. We'll probably talk about why we're doing this, and then we're just going to some shit's hit the fan in the last couple of days, so we're just going to jump in. So my name is Elise. I have been with my husband for 13 years now. He has been in recovery for three years. Um, drug of choice is heroin and pills, um, but he's done a lot along the way. Alex, how about you? Yeah, I'm Alex. Um, my my partner also in in recovery. Uh, similar timeline. So we've been together about seven and a half years, and he has been working recovery for about three. Yeah, I'm, um, my name is Liz. Um, my partner is Jake. We've been together for almost nine years. Um, started down this recovery journey um, about six years ago. All right. So the reason we're doing this, we have a couple of different reasons that we've decided to start this podcast. Um, we are just three friends uh, that met in a recovery meeting for family and spouses. And we have just developed a great friendship with one another. And we've been able to lean on each other because uh, sometimes you can't talk about this with family and uh, I, I think in the beginning I called you guys my dirty friends because you're my recovery friends and I can't <laughs> talk about this, uh, which is, you know, kind of normal people. Uh, another thing I remember feeling is just very alone. So when I walked into my first meeting, I saw Alex and she seemed like a girl that looked like me who kind of has her stuff together and just has this random awful life going on kind of behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. I was like, let's do dinner. Let's, let's be, you know, I'm going to be this weirdo. And we did. And it was so mm-hmm. wonderful. And so the alone part I think was so, I lost all of my friends mm-hmm. going through all of this. And I think you guys have had the same thing. Yeah. Um. So that was really nice. So we, we want people to feel that they're not alone going through this. Yeah. yeah. And I think we were all lucky that, our spouses went through a treatment program that offered a family support component. Mm -hmm. That's what brought us together with, were those meetings. But I think we all know that that's not something that everyone has access to. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking and thinking about the lack of resources for families and thought this could be a good space for us to connect with others in 
a similar situation. Yeah, I wish. I mean, I looked for resources at the beginning of this journey, really, you know, scouring the internet and trying to find just another person I could relate to that was going through something similar. So hopefully this fills that gap for someone kind of starting that part or for those of you that have been dealing with it for a while. um, Hopefully this helps helps you wherever you're at as well. I think for me, um, another reason, so the loneliness, obviously, and just having some other information outside of just, you know, whatever you may have be using now, um, it is really the self-care component. So that was one of the biggest things for me going to that family group was really, um, it's kind of stopping for a moment and, you know, the first question they ask you is, you know, what brings you in? But then, you know, how are you taking care of yourself? And the first time I was asked that, I didn't have a good answer at all because <laughs> I think it was the first time I realized that I wasn't taking care of myself at all. So that's where that's where I hope this helps. We can help show how we have, you know, and we're not perfect at it and it takes work all of the time, but how we've kind of worked on that over the last few years and I've really tried to find a, a better balance between managing kind of the chaos of recovery as it's beginning and just figuring out a way to normalize your life and live with it. Yeah. I so, think we have all learned that, you know, we can't help our partners or other people if we're not taking care of ourselves. And mm-hmm. also who knows if they will be okay or not okay, but like our well being can't be tied to how they are doing. Right. Um, Obviously, we hope they're doing well, but even in the moments when they aren't doing so great, we can still be okay and taking care of ourselves, which is hard. And it's helpful to have a group of friends to help keep you on track and remind you of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I would agree. Self-care is a big component. Yeah. I think another thing I wanted to bring up is that we while we all are um, dating, living, married to addicts, like we want this to be a good resource for families, for siblings, for even addicts to kind of just get a different perspective of uh, we have uh, a couple of people in our family group who are also in long term recovery. And um, at least one gentleman always says, you know, I wish the addicts could be a fly on the wall. Because uh, they don't necessarily always remember what they have done and kind of the chaos. It's it's not really just their disease. It kind of, it right. spreads throughout the family. So hopefully this can be a helpful resource, not only for spouses, but for parents and children and things like that. Yeah, I Absolutely. think that's a good point. I think the three of us really bonded because we are um, all around the same age um, in a similar place in our lives. So that made our connection stronger. But I think you can learn so much from everybody in the group and there might be differences, but there's still like a common thread and you right. can always pick up little tidbits here and there and figure out how to apply them to your specific relationship. Yeah, yeah totally. So we will jump in and we, we will talk about ourselves and our stories a lot if you follow along with us as we uh, continue to put out our episodes. Um, Today, we're going to do something like uh, Elise mentioned at the beginning uh, called a check-in. So a lot of times when you go to recovery-based meetings, um, you really just go to check-in and you can talk about anything that's going on with you. If there's, there's, sometimes there are topics that it's around, but in general, it's just a, a space to talk about what's happening now and, and, 
potentially get some help or feedback in that. So we're going to do a check-in with where the three of us are right now, where we are both personally, but then also as it relates to our um, recovering partner as well. So who wants um, to start? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can jump in. Okay. Um, so my husband um, has been in recovery for three years. Um, uh, he is now... Uh, he, so he's off the heroin. He did Suboxone. He did Vivitrol. He's off of that. Uh, and now he is uh, coming off of nicotine. He went from cigarettes to vaping and he's coming off of vaping. And unfortunately, it has brought up so many awful memories of so him coming off all the withdrawing. He's withdrawing from nicotine and he is an absolute dick. <laughs> I, I probably haven't talked to him in two days oh, wow. except what it's about. And it's very frustrating. It's very maddening. Yeah. And I'm very upset with it it doesn't help that I'm uber pregnant right now and right I have a a two and a half year old who's just a two and a half year old (laughs) and so that's my check-in so overall drugs is fine but it's just the withdrawals and remembering just how just grumpy they are and they're trying to come off it and he needs to go to meetings and and all of that is it's just frustrating so how do you do that I mean like why how do you survive in that space? Like, what do you do to? I mean, he's not being a helpful person right now, trying to get through that. Like, what do what are your do? What are your thoughts about that? And yeah, unfortunately, I don't have the answer. <laughs> I'm finding myself going back to some of my codependentness things, and I'm disappointed in myself. So, uh, trying to communicate with him that, hey, man, you're being a jerk, and I know that you're going through awful things, but. Like, we got to work this out. <laughs> Do you feel like he's recognizing that he's being a jerk? Like, is he aware of this? Yes, he is at this point. He recognizes it. And he says he's trying. And I know he's trying. And I think that I need to give him a little bit of slack. Um, he says 100% that nicotine is worse <laughs> quitting that than quitting heroin. No. Oh, 100%. Oh, wow. So, um, so we're there. <laughs> <laughs> And I could go into labor any day. So I told him wow. last night I didn't really want to have this baby. <laughs> so that well, was fun. No going back now. No, we are here. So um, that's so that's my check-in. So there's nothing, at least drug-wise, for us that's going crazy. But it's bringing back memories and it's taking me back to that codependent. Old behaviors. Yeah, old behaviors. And it's, and it's, I'm frustrated. Do you worry at all about him? I mean, he's had some some significant clean time but because this feels so familiar do you worry that it also feels familiar for him like does that make you worry more about him doing other drugs or dealing with this stress of all of this right now in a yeah. way that's not some not healthy so positive way yeah yeah there was uh yes the, we watched the movie last night and it had a lot a lot of drugs in it and we didn't know what the movie was and we just <laughs> kind of kept going down the road uh and uh towards the end of the movie the dad who had been clean for two years uh found a bag of cocaine that he had hidden and did a whole bunch of cocaine really fast and then stole the kid stole (laughs) the kid got in the car the mom's like trying to stop the car yeah and the dad like backs out of the driveway and it's like a whole thing and he just like took the kid and it just a hundred percent my husband would take my kid to a drug house he said it before and so it just made me very upset that I'm in that a relationship. Would be very triggering. Yeah. yeah. And I'm in a relationship with a drug addict. I I love him and I want to be with him, but I can't. This is always my reality. Right. Which yeah. 
Um, it's never going to just be fixed and go away. No, we will always, now the longer he gets in recovery, the less likely it will be to happen. However, at any moment, especially with heroin and what's out on the streets now, like he could do it once and it could be over. Right. And they're just not, yeah, they're just not who they are truly to themselves. Yeah. Like he would never do that sober, but he, I don't know what he would do. Yeah. 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 Yes. Interesting. I get that. Yeah. So, Alex, what's your check-in? Yeah, so um, for me, personally, I'm I'm doing great. So, I, you know, I have been struggling a lot through this whole journey with just, th- like we all do, like with that codependent balance, right? Like figuring out how do I take care of myself but also, you know, exist with this person who isn't always stable all the time, right? So, um because I, I say that because a lot of times there's a dual diagnosis with, with addicts, right? So they they have their addiction as one thing, but there's usually some mental health component. Um, that's been a big piece for um, my partner and I, uh, Charlie. So he has, you know, depression and anxiety and things. And so some of those those things show their head even when he's sober, which can be very frustrating. So and hard to work through um, a lot of times because you know, he would use to deal with some of those things in the past. And so when it happens when he's sober and then I feel like, you know, I have to walk on eggshells or like mm-hmm. not, not provoke it or, you know, yeah. that I like, I play some part in, in all of this. So that's been something that I've been dealing with, um, you know, through the whole thing. But most recently, because um, last December, my husband uh, went into a, a halfway house, so a recovery house. So he has he has struggled a lot with uh, relapse. So that's been a huge piece of, of what his journey has been. You know, the relapses are short and he'll have, you know, he'll have a good four months and then he'll use once and get back, you know, tell someone, tell a sponsor, tell me, um, but get back on, on, on the wagon, you know, like he would, he'll go back to his meetings and, and do all of that. And so, but doesn't change that relapses um, do happen, and there's longer time between them. Um, but this, this, the uh, what do I want to say? Like the severity of them increases over time. That's what they say about this disease. It's progressive, so continues to get worse and it grows on itself. So, well, and also I think with each relapse, it's sort of like a reset reset for our recovery. Yeah. You know, yeah, because right. during the period of time where they're doing well, you start building back that trust exactly. and you're working on things and then the relapse happens. And even if it's just one use and they get back on, it's enough to it's sort a of mental reset, take some steps back. And- Absolutely. And so that's what's recently happened. So he was at a halfway house uh, for six months and moved home about a just just over a month ago now and while he was in the the recovery house he was doing great and i mean just doing really really well working and going to all those meetings and working the steps with the sponsor and participating in group activities at the house and all of this so and our relationship was was doing well too because you know he was doing all of that work at the recovery house and i would hang out with him on the weekends and things and that time was just so stress free because i wasn't worried about his recovery and i wasn't worried about anything like he was managing his own schedule and all of that which sounds really silly and it feels kind of silly to say but 
when he's not doing well, like taking care of himself, I find myself trying to take care of him in like the smallest ways. And so that burden was just kind of lifted by him moving out of the house. Well, even if they are doing well, just having them at home, sometimes I feel like it's more in your face. So it's hard to sort of step back. Um, and not pay attention to like, oh, he didn't go to a meeting or he did go to a meeting, Just but he didn't talk to his sponsor. And yeah. so I think having for you, having that time where he was at the recovery house, it let you know that there are other people that he's being accountable to and it doesn't have to be your responsibility and I right. allowed you some space to just focus on yourself. Exactly. Which and also contributed to like the health of your relationship. Correct. 100%. But then made it harder, I think, when he moved home, like right. trying to readjust. So and, that's what I've been dealing with is he's home now and it's great and, and, and fine. And the first week though, I felt so anxious. So I have some anxiety stuff that I deal with too. And I just like, it was overwhelmingly, I just felt so anxious. I didn't know all of a sudden how to kind of draw these emotional boundaries and how to not instantly, like, I mean, instantly first night, take on his <laughs> moods and his, you know, all of yeah. this stuff. And so that's something that I have, you know, been struggling with, but has become more apparent that this is still uh, an area for improvement for me mm-hmm. is in the last few weeks. And so then a week after he moved home, he did relapse. And it was one of those where it happened. And like six hours later, he came home and was like, this happened. And I can't believe it. And, you know, I'm so devastated. And there were about four days of pouting afterwards, like, well, now all the work I did doesn't mean anything. And so finally, we're back on track from all of that. And I say we, but really he, you know, so mm-hmm. I still do it there. <laughs> right. but, but we and that, like myself, that relapse just hit me so hard and um, in a way that it had never before. And I don't know why. Maybe it was because there was just so much time to kind of, like you said, build that trust up and feel hopeful again. Um, And then that happens and you're like, wow, this is the reality. This can happen no matter what. That could have been a year. That could have been two years. But this can happen no matter what. So it took me longer to recover from this um, than it has in the past. And, you know, I, I have a therapist and things, which has been super helpful for me personally, um, that I've talked about this now for you know two weeks. And so got, I, I'm finally to a place where, you know, I accept that this happened and that this can continue to happen. But also I feel like I'm emotionally back on track, just, you know, kind of caring for myself and figuring out a way that you know, I can, I can live in the same house with him because instantly I wanted him to go back to the house. <laughs> like yeah. it was so much easier when I didn't have to come home to this. So yeah. this wasn't point. the first time you guys separated. Um, it, no, but this yeah. was the oh. longest. And so he, at the beginning of his recovery, went to a, another living, a sober living community. That was much shorter. That was like two and a half months. This was like a full six months. Um, yeah. So that was like, a little I different. Think you do have to work through how you were saying, oh, your first instinct was like, oh, I just want him to go back. Yeah. But 
it's something you guys have to figure out how how can he live at home right without this happening exactly and that's his big struggle yeah so he's a military man so a veteran and he he likes to he likes to have a strict schedule Mm -hmm. and when he has a strict schedule he just shows up and it's mindless he does that's when he does his best so he Mm -hmm. is a like recovery all-star so put him (laughs) in a program put him in a house he's gonna do everything and like meet all of the things that's just how he is but then you get him at home and he has six hours before he has to go to work and then that's when all hell breaks loose but it's like tough to have a marriage with one person living in a recovery home it's actually kind of nice what you would really want your marriage to be like no of course not of course not so that (laughs) no of course not but it is I mean it is challenging so it's something when I first you know asked him to go back (laughs) (laughs) we kind of joke now because we really do need to work on this together I need to figure out a way to give him space to really you know figure this out for himself and also take care of myself and just live my life like normal uh, so he doesn't feel like because when he feels like he's affecting me it makes it harder for him so it's just this whole snowballing effect but yeah so that's where we're at we I mean things are going well um he's back in the groove after his relapse been you know talking to a sponsor he is in court from some past things which we can talk about but he uh (laughs) not today but but so he did get in trouble at court he failed the drug test so he has some consequences from that which is I think consequences are really great when they're not you know the really bad ones but uh, uh 24 like hours of community service is is very appropriate so <laughs> he's been doing all of that and so things are getting we're getting there and it's get, we're getting used to living together again and figuring out you know our styles and stuff because it you kind of just get into this like selfish mindset of like well I just wake up and do what I want to do and there's no one else here right when he's not there so that's me I think that's so yeah so my turn um it's funny how you said you're adjusting from being in that mindset of get up and do your own thing and living by yourself and now you're trying to go over to being together because I'm at the opposite point right now where I'm trying to adjust to living alone um Jake relapsed um I guess about six weeks ago and similar to Um, Charlie relapse has been a part of Jake's recovery over the last six years. Um, He's had longer periods of clean time where it seems to be, you know, he's had two years at one point and then it was a quick relapse and then a couple more years. Um, I don't know what it was about this last year. It was three relapses in a year. Um, The first one, first two were like alcohol and weed Um, But this last time in June had gone back to heroin and had been, I think, using for roughly a month or more. Still unclear. Um, But so this time it was a thing where it's like something has to change. Um, And so ask Jay to leave. And he was living in some random places, lived with a friend for a while, lived in a hotel, then finally got into gear and was going to get into a recovery house, um, which was a process. And he decided on one, but had to wait like about a week before he could move in. And so he stayed with his parents and then stayed with a friend. And I had said, oh, like 
a couple nights before you move in, like you can stay at home. And part of that was selfish just because I was thinking like, oh, well, he's going to be in a recovery house. You can't really like just hang out whenever. So I would Mm -hmm. like to see him. Hadn't really spent much time with him over the last six weeks. Um, So he stayed the night this past Wednesday and Thursday. And it was interesting because the first night was fine. But then the next day I found myself already going back into some old like detective mode patterns of like, oh, he's asleep. I can take this opportunity to look through his backpack. And now I'm going to like look in his car and um, found a couple of things that indicated that he had lied, which is not surprising, but just so frustrating and takes you back some steps, especially because I thought he was doing better. Mm -hmm. Um, So I already was like, okay, this reaffirms that he needs to move out. I'm glad this is what's happening. And I think I was putting a lot of, what's the word, like maybe hope into like moving into the recovery house of like, this is going to solve a lot of things. Like if we can just get to that, right. It'll be good. Um, Didn't get to that though, because he was supposed to move in on Friday, Thursday night, he came home and was high. Um, Could you tell instantly or like, did he tell you? He walked in and he had picked up pizza, but it was like an hour. So there was like a long time had gone by from like when I thought he should be home. So I already felt a little on edge and Mm -hmm. suspicious. And he came home and he just said like, hey, I reached the guy at the house. He said to call him tomorrow at eight. And, you know, if, if all goes well, like if the person who's supposed to be moving out moves out, I can move in at three. And just the way he said it, like, kind of was a red flag of like, is he sort of setting up mm-hmm. a possibility, like, yeah, yeah. for when he could an say, out. like, oh, it, yeah, there's an well, out of like why it didn't work. It felt like yeah. he was like laying groundwork for yeah. how it might so not interesting. happen. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Like, well, would you pass a drug test tomorrow? He's like, oh yeah, of course, of course. Um, and then I'm like looking at his eyes. So I'm, I just have a hard time like really telling usually. Yeah. And so I was like trying to figure it out. And I'm like, okay, something doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh yeah, I would for sure pass the drug test. And I was like, oh, well, I have one. We can just, you know, double check before tomorrow. And mm-hmm. um, he was like, okay, no problem which then made me a little bit hopeful of like, okay, he wouldn't agree to this if I would find something. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no. And so then he's trying to take the drug test and he's just like swaying. And I'm like, he is definitely looking fucked up Mm -hmm. and couldn't take the test. (laughs) It was like, of course, they can never pay. Because he was like, I just went to the bathroom a little while. It's just not working. I need to wait. (laughs) No, literally, sidebar to this, I I have try to test in similar situations charlie and he'll do the same thing okay yeah 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 i'll do it in the past he's told me because he has to take drug tests for court like every week basically he's like yeah i can be on command he's bragged about this in the past mm-hmm. but then but when you go to ask him, but then it's <laughs> oh i can't pee let me let me chug some water and, it, yeah. and it'll last like all night like that's not yeah no. Drake was all like <laughs> maybe I just need to eat a couple pieces of pizza and I'll drink some water and we can try it in about an hour. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. And then 
I go, oh, I have another idea. Like you could just show me the bank account um, because usually a sign that he has been using a, their large amount like withdraws from the ATM. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, well, what, like, what would that show? Why would we do that? I'm like, well, I can't like just trust what you're saying. So, yeah. you know, this would be some hard evidence. Like I could just see what's on there. If there's ATM withdrawals, then you're probably lying. If there's nothing, then okay. And he was like, well, I think you would not like some things you saw from a few weeks ago. I'm like, we don't even have to worry about a few weeks ago. Like, let's just, just focus on like this week or like in this last few days. And he's like stalling. Mm. And I'm like, would I see something there? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you would, you would see some, you'd see some things. And I'm like, okay, so like you've used, and yeah, yeah. And, I was like, when? And he said, well, tonight. I'm like, you fucking used the <laughs> night before you're moving into the recovery house? Yep. Like, oh my gosh. It's just, it, I know the disease is like insane and doesn't yeah. make sense. But it's just so, oh my goodness. And yeah. then it was like, I think once he knew that I knew he was high and like once I really did know it so obvious that right. he was high is like kind of slurring and his eyes are like kind yeah. of glassy and I was just like I said well you're definitely not going to get into the house tomorrow and right. in his delusional mind he's like well I was thinking I was still going to call him and just let him know what happened and lo- that I want to move in and you know maybe he'll make a an exception oh yeah I'm like oh okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because if that were the case, you would already moved in, right. but you had to wait X amount of days. So no. Um, and I was proud of myself that I said, you know, I'm sticking to what I said that you could stay here tonight. Mm-hmm. But after this, like the plan was you're moving into a recovery house. And if, even if you're not doing that, like you can't stay here. So you need to pack up all of your things. Um, and I want you to give me the house key back, which the past six weeks he still had the Mm -hmm. key and would occasionally like ask me if he could come over and pick something up but so I took it a step farther yeah um this time and so then the next several hours were awful because he was (laughs) slowly slowly packing things because it was like he could not like focus Uh, you know yeah and he's just like folding a shirt and then like forgetting what he's doing and he's like I gotta get my laundry like oh my gosh (laughs) get your shit together because we need to go to bed like have to leave at eight in the morning and I don't know I was surprised I didn't really like cry that night I think I was more numb and also just like more frustrated and mad like this episode we hope so If you want more from the Women of Boy Problems podcast, please join us at Patreon at Recovering2. We will be releasing exclusive content, and we also have an option where you can connect with us every month for 30 minutes, one-on-one. We hope you join us there. Back to the episode. Sadness kicked in Friday morning when he actually was leaving, and I think like the high wore off and 
I think he then like realized what was happening. And so we just had the moment of him like loading up his car and giving the key back. And it was like, I don't know where he's going to go or what he's going to do. And so he left and I had to go to work and make it through that whole day. Mm -hmm. Um, So all I know at this point is I did text his parents to let them know what had happened. I'd been keeping them updated, um, but I just thought I need to take another step back and not be in as much contact with him. Um, And somebody else kind of needs to take over at Mm -hmm. this point. Um, So his parents, like, and I told them that, and they're very supportive of me. They're like, you know, you can reach out to us and just say, is Jake okay? And we'll let you know as little or as much as you want to, but then you don't need to actually contact him directly. Mm -hmm. So that is what I'm working on. The update I have is that he did talk to the recovery house and they were like, well, do you even still want to move in? Like, is this what you're wanting? And he told them, yes, this is what I want. And they were like, okay, well, you need to call us like every day for the next few days. And then once the drugs are out of your system, we can get you moved in. So probably Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. Depending if he doesn't use again. Right. Um, So he's staying at his sister's house right now, which makes me feel relieved. Mm -hmm. Not wondering like, where is he? Um, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. And I think it's good. She put in some place, some boundaries for him. Cause I, he really does need boundaries. Like what yeah. you were saying with Charlie, like they do better with that, but like this time around, I can't be the one giving him the boundaries. Yeah. And right. so we will see. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So how are you doing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the magic question. Yeah. I would say yesterday and today, better. Friday, not great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of the, like, obsessive yeah. thinking of what's what's happening. Is he okay? Is he even alive? I think then once I found out, like, okay, he's alive. He's been in contact with his parents. They're mm-hmm. all looking out for him. Um I've been able to like feel a little bit more at ease. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've just been keeping myself busy this weekend, like having plans with friends and working out and all of that stuff and just working really hard on not like calling him or texting him. He has, I have talked to him each day because he has reached out and then I have answered Mm -hmm. the call, but my goal the next time we can check in mm-hmm. we'll see if I have stuck to it is to not be the one to like initiate yeah contact because I know whenever I do that if he doesn't answer right away then it sends um, me into a tailspin right, of right. like right. why isn't he answering what's happening or, yeah and so I just don't even want to put myself through that yeah and I know that you had messaged us because uh we all see a private and personal counselor and I yeah. liked what she said um, about how like focus on you because I think oh, even yeah. for me like in, oh, yeah. in our sessions like I always feel so bad for Steve and and just 
other people. And she's like, well, what about you? Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Yep. Got to remember that one. So I thought that yeah. was good. Like he's putting you through some shit and it's mm-hmm. BS. And it's hard to check in with yourself because I think it like for me personally, it's just speak from myself. For me, it's, I don't, like I've said this recently in counseling, I'm afraid to admit how I feel because I don't know if I want to know the answer, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I'm really just fed up with this shit, like if I admit that and if I'm aware of that, then it's like, well, what am I going to do about that? Now, I don't think that I am like I have been doing some of that work, like what am I really feeling? And it can be very overwhelming. But yeah, I mean, this last relapse with with my partner was hard because I wasn't cool. I mean, it was like to the point where I don't want to keep doing this and I don't want to continue down this path at this point. Relapse is a pattern and I want to get off of that roller coaster, right? Like we talk about that merry-go-round. Uh, mm-hmm. right. You know, we say, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of sayings, but <laughs> <laughs> that is one of them. But um, yeah, so for me, it's it's almost even scary to take that time and to really think about like, what am I feeling right now? And how do I take care of myself? Because it's easier to not think about that and to solve the problem, right? There's a, there's a problem, there's a series of small problems, and then there are some really big ones. But how can I solve the problem? That's how I kind of like if I can fix it, right? We're all fixers and we're yeah. all planners. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. So but. that it it's hard to do that. So yeah. I just well, want to talk there, about that. You can't fix this. Like if there right. was a way to fix it, like we would have already done it. Yeah. And that is what's so hard to accept. And I think like logically I can understand. And I can say that I accept that I can't fix it, but then my actions oh, yeah. <laughs> are saying otherwise. And right. I catch myself trying to put things into play like, oh, did you call your sponsor? Did you do this? Or have you thought about yeah. whatever? So I'm trying to avoid the leading yeah. questions and the like progress report. Yeah. So they have to do it for themselves. I right. Know. That's the thing. And that's what what I struggle with, though, like the trying to avoid the progress report is like, I I want to know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you go about finding that out without then creating the checklist? This is something we've talked about before, though, where we've talked about how, you know, we aren't really fit to be, you know, good good support system in this if we aren't taking care of ourselves but if they aren't taking care of themselves and they're in active addiction or they're going through a relapse like they aren't really fit to be a partner to us Mm -hmm. and so there's really nothing to check in about because they're unwell you know like the things you want to know are like what did happen at work today and those are the types of things you want to talk to your partner about or like what do we you know what do you think about doing this or you know those types of things it's hard right now because I experienced this as well, but it's kind of hard in those moments when it's chaotic and you, they don't really even know like what's going on. Like they are surviving every day, trying to grasp onto something to get them to like that positive step, the thing that they're looking forward to in this case, getting into that recovery house. Mm -hmm. So they're not really, it's not like they have some interesting shit to talk about or, you know, it's (laughs) like, I didn't use drugs today and, you know, like that's it. And that's all they're really capable of giving you. Yeah. So that's hard. I mean, 
I think it's such a good point to bring up because it's like we ex- it's about our expectations. Like we expect you, okay, you have this disease, deal with it, but also be my partner mm-hmm. and be there for me and and let's talk and let's engage and let's well, and I guess even if I were to go through the checklist of <clears throat> you know, did you go to a meeting today or what are you doing to stay clean? He could easily lie about oh. all of those and it yeah. would just be like he's saying what he thinks I want to hear, exactly. which would make me feel secure in the moment. But then when it comes out that that's not actually the case, it's like so much worse. So yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm working on not asking those things. And actually my next counseling appointment, I'm going to to try to even not talk about him because my, my oh, last appointment, my counselor was like, you know, we've been doing a lot of talking about Jake and very little talking about like you. Okay, well, that wraps up our first episode of Boy Problems Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and keep coming back. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.